The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Don't close that coffin just yet. Gary, welcome back. How are you? Oh, your microphone's not working. What's going on there? Uh, Okay, the light isn't working. Oh, the light's not working. The light's not working. Oh, that's great. All right, so the... Yeah. All right. Well, good to know. Well, that's... At least the important part's working. I was panicking over here. Yeah? All right. Well, uh, we're back. We are back. (laughs) What a week. What a week it uh, was, and uh, sorry for the Thursday... Friday show right before we went on vacation, it was, uh, you know, you and I were really sick that entire uh, uh, week. Yeah, and uh, very we, sick. And and we both uh, we both came in um, on Thursday night, Friday morning before yeah, we went 12th. on before we went on yeah. vacation. Yeah. And we're sitting here, and you know, you you looked at me and you said, "I only came in because I didn't I knew I I didn't want you to do the show alone being sick." And I said. Same thing, and I look at you, and you're like, I, and you're like, I can't do it. I go, you can't do I, it. I wasn't going to last. I I needed to get home. Yeah, like right at that moment. And I hadn't. I was getting better at that point, but I had not slept in over thirty hours. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even keep my thoughts correct. Mm-hmm. And I looked at you, and it's the first time we've ever done this. Mm-hmm. It's like we can't do this. Yeah, yeah. There was just no yeah, way to we go just, on. We just, just can't wasn't. do it. And the the show was all prepared. We're sitting. You yeah. know. In fact, I I think I left. <laughs> everything on the on the copier and the mm. copy machine all the stories that mm. i had printed up and everything and it was just like we just we we couldn't do it and then we were naturally on vacation yeah but, uh, uh last week the week was already planned to be on vacation thank right. you dan mandis for doing such a great job yes and as and, always and uh, we didn't <laughs> it's always in your head no we did not take off <laughs> the day before vacation to get an extra long weekend uh no, I needed that extra time off, no doubt. Um, I've uh, It's been a long time since I've been that sick. I think the last time I was that sick, I had the flu. And this time I had uh, COVID, pneumonia, only COVID and pneumonia. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, 
I do have proof. My neighbor is a doctor, uh, uh, Tony Fauci, and he came over and said, yes, I can, <laughs> I can tell by your politics that you have COVID. And you have what we call the forever COVID. You're never going to get better again. And then he just walked away. Uh, yeah, so uh, my wife and I both had COVID, both had uh, pneumonia. Uh, she did not have the week off, but ended up having to work from home. Uh, obviously could not go into her office having uh, tested positive. And we tested positive repeatedly. That, that morning, Thursday the 12th, I tested negative. But at some point, you know, and they say it, it can be dormant for a while. A uh, number of things can be dormant for a while. I had um, one of my granddaughters actually recently tested negative for strep throat. She was positive she had strep throat. Tested negative and two days later tested positive for it. And so I was afraid that's what I had. I th- I thought I had strep throat. I was, I mean, it was the fever and everything was just Horrible. Um, Much more intense than it was the first time I had COVID in January of 20. Is that January 22? Yeah, because it took me, I made the joke, it took me two years to finally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like most, like most things, it doesn't sink Mm -hmm. in for two years. Um, And this time, and my wife and I both had it the same. I mean, it would be natural for us. Do they do they give you any of the the actual medicine stuff that they've been using? Yeah, for I forget COVID? what it's. Yeah, I, forget yeah, I don't, what it's I don't even know what they're I using. I got mine though. really late. Um, my wife had been sick a few weeks ago. Then she was better for I don't know a week and a half, and then all of a sudden, and she tested negative a few times during that period, and then. When we got sick into that first weekend of our vacation, uh, it was just, and she was just really frustrated because she, it had been at that, by that point, it had been like three weeks, over three weeks, going on a month that she had been sick. And so um, we, we have the same doctor and she also has access through her employer uh, one of the um, teledoc services, which pretty much everybody has access to, but uh, the employer is proactive in, in making sure the employees have it and and use it. And so they, uh, pneumonia uh, for both of us, COVID for both of us. And uh, it was, I mean, I haven't been weakened, physically weakened by an illness like that in a long time. I it's been a very long time. I I don't remember being weakened by the flu, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't move when when you have the flu, it's just and they give you the uh what is it, the Tamiflu. Mm-hmm. And I got that in time and so I was actually back on my feet relatively fast with that. This is going to be a while, I can tell. I lost 14 pounds in the last Week and a half. Oh, you're looking great. Thanks. I'm svelte. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Well, before I went and visited my dad, I took a COVID test just to mm. make sure. Yeah. And I was negative again. I, it's strange because I'm sure when I was reading, and I forgot whether it was National Review or Wall Street Journal that said 
they think that everybody was exposed to it. Oh, yeah. In, in the United there's, there's States. No doubt. So there's no doubt. Everyone either had it, was exposed to it, yeah. didn't get it, yeah. but yeah. everybody got it. But I never tested positive, uh-huh. uh, and I didn't test positive. And I wanted to make well, sure before I went to see Dan. It's the third question on that test that really gets you. So you might have failed the, the third question on the test. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's so. and it, was, it always gets me. Well, I still had two. I didn't even know. I started looking. I go, do I have any COVID, you know, test? Do I have any left? And I did. You I know, had a couple. You know, was, I, I, in in yeah, my kitchen I had, pantry. I had two. Uh, and then, obviously, the doctor's office. Uh, you know, when we finally went uh, person to person. Um, but then I ordered some more. And I, I laughed because I remember the first time when they first started sending out the home test kits. And I think we read, I brought the instructions in for the test. And it was something to the effect of before you do anything, wash your hands. Well, you have already opened the baggage and taken everything out and handled everything, you know, (laughs) before you, because the instructions are in there and it's pretty simple. I think everybody's got it down, you know, and it's, it was just, I didn't, the instructions this time were very clear. All right. Just, it's like having multiple children. By the time you get to your last children, it's like, good luck. You can feed yourself. And it's now just, I think it's just one of these, I don't know, mundane kind of situations now to to be in. Although I'm hoping I've got it out of the way for the season. Usually I get sick once a season, but I never get that sick. Because I would not have been in, if we weren't on vacation last week, I would have been out all week. There's no doubt about it. Well, when you texted me on Monday, uh, I knew at that point. I was wondering, and you, you texted me on Saturday and said you're going to be in. You said yeah. I'm, I'm weak and everything else, and yeah. but uh, I'm I'm going to make it in. But I wasn't expecting you to even make it in today. I mean, I w- I was preparing that. I it was uh, because I knew it, you were bad. It was I Saturday we got in the truck and we were going to go and hit a drive through and get. You know, just something cold to drink, just to get out of the house. And we turned around at the corner and came home. I mean, it's been that bad. Tremendously weak. And tonight, I mean, I just, you know, went through the motions. (laughs) 27 years of working this shift, getting dressed in the dark. And, you know, you just, it's like, okay, just don't. I. It was, for me, it was like, okay, don't think about it, just Go back into your routine, and I'm better, much better with routine than I am, you know, being outside of my routine. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I tell you, when the routine goes when you work this shift, and that's what happened to me because I was getting better the week before vacation. It's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, we were, you know, uh, and, you know, we were both sick on the air Mm -hmm. and just, you know, just trying to get through every show. Mm -hmm. And, and then it was Thursday where I started feeling better, but I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I was feeling better, but I just could not. And I didn't sleep for two shifts and then realized I hadn't slept in 30 hours when I came in and driving here and then driving home, I was okay, but it was like, wow. I, I, you know, the mind just, I couldn't process thoughts. 
Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah. I can't. I just can't go on this a, is, alone. This... And I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like you did. I can go on if Eric's there. Yeah. But if Eric yeah. isn't there, I can't. I just can't do yeah. five hours. Yeah. And yeah. so, but uh, I actually had a good week. I mean, I went and saw my dad. My dad was doing great. Had, good. you know, got the pacemaker is, is, uh, is doing uh, just uh, uh, tremendous. And then my brother came back with me mm-hmm. and I hung out with my brother last week, which I don't get a chance to do. And we played golf. We did a bunch of different stuff. And, but I was actually, you know, very, very, you know, very, very busy. I will say this because, because my brother visited me. This is a vacation where I probably was able to get away from the news more than ever, even though I saw the headlines every day. For example, uh, we were eating breakfast, drinking coffee, when I happened to grab my phone and see the headline that, seriously, I had to do everything not to spit out the coffee. (laughs) And the headline was, Democrat Jamie Raskin said, look, we can come up with a compromise candidate. I think both sides would consider Liz Cheney as the new speaker. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my. Yeah. And he was, he said it on the, this is, you know, said it on the Sunday morning news shows. Right. Apparently. Right. A week ago, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about it in a serious way. Right. And it was just like, come on, the, well, stop that's, it. That's the lack of awareness. They actually yeah. believe. I mean, do they not know she lost? After all of that, she lost. It'd be one thing if she had won and kept her seat after right. all that. Yes. But, I mean, you talk about zero self-awareness. I wonder how many that were in that conversation realized she's no longer a member of Congress. Well, I think it was just, I think it was trolling. I don't, I don't think it was a lack of self-awareness. Maybe. I think, I think Jamie Raskin was just trolling. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the Sunday morning news host was going along with the trolling. Yeah, well. Because, right. you know, that, you, you mean, that was just, and then, then Liz Cheney on, to talk about the Republicans, uh-huh. I mean, over the weekend, it's just like stop it. It's like okay, we need need to bring Liz Cheney back in. By the way, you know what a bitter, what you know, you can tell she is bitter as 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 anyone could possibly be. Mm-hmm. But it's her own fault. We stated this. You there, you cannot defend Liz Cheney when it comes to uh, joining the January sixth. Nope. Uh, uh, committee and making it seem like it was a fair process. You can't. Right. right. You can't. She she agreed not to allow cross-examination of the evidence and the witnesses. And as we said before, and the fact that her father went along with it just shows you how far the Cheney family has gone. Yeah. And for Liz right. Cheney to say that uh, that uh, that um, uh, Joe Biden is a you know better president you know than uh, than Trump. That's just the most bizarre things you could possibly imagine, you know, from somebody who claims to be a conservative Republican. Yeah. And and she's far from it. Right. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting watching all that, but also, uh, you know, communicating with a couple of people during vacation, actually a, a good handful of people. And there is there seems to be I mean, there there's something going on right now where and it's been building for a while. But families dealing with this economy right now is something that, and it wasn't, you know, I don't check in with Facebook a lot. Uh, Twitter, you know, it's pretty much part of the job. But it was, there was this, I mean, it just seemed to be, and it's anecdotal, but it seems to be growing. People looking and, and saying, look, 
I went to the store and spent 120 bucks and got nothing when it comes to groceries. And, you know, it's you look at this economy right now and where we are. And then Jerome Powell is the Fed chair. Nah, we're good with where inflation is and how it's going. We don't think we're going to raise rates. I've been saying since the beginning, I don't think the Fed is serious about inflation. And this proves that they are not. They absolutely are not. You saw, I think it's a rate of delinquency in automobile loans, highest in 30 years. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's something that's been growing. You and I have been watching that. About every six months they update that, you know, to to the point that it, it, they update it all the time, but to the point that it makes the news. And now you look at it and you wonder how families are going to make it in this economy. There won't be any real deflation with prices dropping. We have to remind folks, you know, because, you know, Jerome Powell makes it sound like, oh, prices are coming down. No, prices aren't coming down. The rate of inflation might be coming down, but prices are still going up over record inflation prices that we have seen over the last two years. And it's maddening watching these idiots not care and, and and when you see them uh, coming down for example i saw that rent is coming down for example in california mm-hmm. but you know why and, is and that because people are moving out exactly there's more supply exactly so when you look at why when prices are coming down you have to ask the question why are they coming down exactly and what's going on you know, what, in those what's areas. going on yeah exactly but when you look at things you buy at the supermarket which again hits people every single week you know, same thing. I got a couple of things yesterday and it was over a hundred bucks. Yeah. And it seemed right. like I was in the store for less than 10 minutes. Right. And it's right. You're just like, whoa, another one over a hundred. Wow. Yeah. Another one over a hundred. Right. Uh, so we'll get to that whole bunch more. Still no speaker. We could actually go home and take off another week. And nothing would change in the house. Nothing. <laughs> nothing might change in the house. <laughs> and, and, and the, this, the same thing too. I would tell you this again, from, from a distance, a little bit of a distance for a couple of days last week. Uh, it's really amazing how huge anti-Semitism is in the United oh, it's States. Very well you know, alive. When, when, when you... and it's it is it it was it was so discouraging to watch it play out last yep. week. But you're right. I saw that too. Yeah, I mean I, that's something that I I felt not just just in general, just reading the oh, headlines yeah. and going around and looking even at the mainstream media, going, "Whoa, man!" It's in the Ivy League. Unbelievable! It's it's disgusting. But it they're really is. they're the highly educated people. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, they must know better, yes. right? Eight six six ninety Red Eye. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. As the seasons change, so does truck maintenance. Cold weather can affect everything from your batteries and air brake system to tire inflation and fuel lines. Here's a maintenance tip to help make sure your rig is ready when winter comes knocking. Have your batteries tested by a certified technician. Dead batteries are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. Testing them now will indicate whether or not they can keep up with electrical demands of your truck this winter. When you have your batteries tested, check the alternator for sufficient amperage and voltage output as well. Find a professional technician near you to have your batteries and alternator tested today. So you'll be ready when the seasons change. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up here on uh, the show, hmm, so there is a money trail now. We'll get to that. Uh, Still no uh, uh, speaker of the uh, the House. What is this all about? What's going on in Gaza? Mm. And a whole bunch more. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thanks for being here. So, no speaker yet. No surprise. Yeah. No closer than when we left. Nope. Nope. You got it. It's look. Nothing was going to change when you got Kevin McCarthy out of that position. Because the GOP makeup in the House isn't going to change until at least January of 2025. So what you did is you brought about, well, um, you know, plenty of chaos. But now, in the wake of Hamas and extremist uh, Palestinians hitting Israel and, and targeting civilians... You have a GOP in the House that can't get its stuff together. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I can't tell you. And 
you know, if you want to if you want to make a run for speaker, if you want to change speaker, I get it. All the concerns issued. I get it. But what does this remedy bring to the table? Zero. Well, there were there were there were two things. And and uh, uh, again, this is my observation of just people that I know that were very much behind uh, Jim Jordan and then extremely disappointed uh, uh, on it. But a lot of people don't seem to know uh, Matt Gates before we left on vacation, made it clear. Well, you know, Jim Jordan's talking about a continuing resolution, too. Well, that was one thing. That was one of the major reasons he wanted McCarthy out. Right. And it seemed when he talked to the press, oh, yeah, we're willing to, you know, consider a continuing resolution. But not only that, but you heard nothing from Gates. Wall Street Journal pointed this out, where Jim Jordan, in order to get the blue state Republicans, said, if you vote for me, I will push a plan to double the federal deduction for state and local taxes, the whole salt thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that was viewed as a conservative success, capping it at $10,000 during Trump's 2016 tax reform. This is anything but what somebody like Matt Gates would promote as right. being conservative. Right. Yet they didn't say a thing about it. Right. So what is this speaker about? Right. What's it going to be? What What is, what is it about if the conservatives, because think about this. Because the plan that the that that McCarthy was given by the House Freedom Caucus mm. didn't include any of these things. No. no, no, and they believed that that would have gotten the votes to go through. That we, as we've been saying from the beginning, this changes nothing. If if you if you go through, you know what we saw in twenty sixteen. Remember. Uh, you know, look, don't keep Paul Ryan, the you know, the the uh, rank and file Republican, you know, out with Paul Ryan. We don't want him there. We don't want him there. I understand after right after the election of and we saw it, in fact, kind of play out with McCarthy the first time. But there's a time for that. So now you want to pull your card to get the speaker out of there. And what do you do to get another one in there? What is your remedy? And what does it change? We want the image. We want the image of a, and because this is this is what I got from the majority of people that I communicated with, just asking them, well, why do you want Jim Jordan? Because we need a fighter like Trump. We need a caller say the same thing mm-hmm. about McCarthy has to go because he's not a fighter like Trump when it comes to budget things. And it was like, well, that's absurd. Trump had the veto power. Mm-hmm. Trump never attempted to close down the government. Right. He knew what it would be politically. Right. He never did that. So you're asking you're asking McCarthy to do something, claiming that he's not a fighter like Trump and making the case that Trump did something that McCarthy would not do. What I get down to this is what I get down to from the people that I have talked about, that I've talked to some people close to me. Well, we need somebody that's going to fight, uh, fight, 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 fight. Well, Jim Jordan was willing to give up double what the conservatives had worked for in order to get the blue state Republicans to vote for him. Mm -hmm. And that still wouldn't convince them to do it. Right. That's the give, by the way, that's the give and take. That's the the same deal making that if Matt Gates were the speaker, he would have to do. 
Yeah. And from what I get from this, it is Republicans want anger. Right. Yeah. The the forever rage. They want the forever rage. Right. Because and, because it's it's not I don't see where the substance on the issues is there when everybody realizes they have to compromise and the House Freedom Caucus plan that was presented that McCarthy said, okay, let's put that through. Right. Seems to me much more conservative than what Jim Jordan would have done in order to become Speaker of the House. Well, I don't, you know, I don't get this, you know, jumping into the corner uh, like we're at some kind of WWE match, you know? We've got to pick, or what's the place that serves you the uh, the chicken and, and they come out and they joust? Then you've got to pick a green team or a red team or whatever it is, medieval times. <laughs> like we've got to pick which night we're going to get behind. No. No. The problem started when the GOP couldn't pull off a larger margin in the House. November of 2022. By the way, I had to pause for a minute. That's why I said 2022 a little slower. Because I had to remember what year this is. <laughs> a little slow coming back. But that's exactly what happened. You know, it's... um. You want to blame, you want to blame, you want to blame. You want you, you want to put your finger on a person. No. It's where we are as a nation. The GOP should have come in, and I don't like those words, red wave, but it sure as hell should have been a much greater margin in the House, and they should have kept the Senate. They didn't get it done as a party. They won't get it done before January of 2025. And I hope on Election Day in November of next year that they can surprise me. Well, the interesting thing is everyone I talked to that that, that you communicated with who was for Jordan. And again, my my problem uh, with uh, with Jordan has nothing to do with the substance it has to do with the imagery of can he convince independence? Mm-hmm. He is every party has a pit bull. Right. He's a pit bull for the party. Yep. Do pit bulls make great speakers? The people that I that I were was talking to did not care, even though they understood that the Republicans need to market to independence. They didn't care. They right. wanted somebody who was angry. Right. They wanted someone who felt like them. Right. As we have stated, well, that would be fine. I'd love it for somebody who thinks exactly like I do and has the frustration and anger that I can show on the radio for what liberals are doing. I'd love to have them as Speaker of the House if that could convince independence. Right. I don't believe it can. No. No. And and so when you when you see that we've now gone through what two weeks of this, yeah, two weeks, and it's going to go on for a third week. Yep. I don't know where it ends. Actually, no, I I don't know I how don't far either. this thing goes. No. But when I saw the other day, I'm like, oh, okay. Jordan offered to double the federal deduction for state and local taxes. Well, that's a shot at 
that's a shot that no no conservative in Congress wanted. Right. As as badly as there was that pushback when it happened, and you you and I talked about it, that especially in those blue states, in those Republican districts in blue states, man, that was going to be a crusher. That was going to be a crusher for some of those House GOP members and running from that point on. Because we look at the blue state policies and it's like, yeah, but I need relief. I need that, you know, however, however I can get that relief. And the SALT tax deduction was it. And we found that out when they passed it and and put the cap at 10%. You're seeing it in some red states where local taxes or or tax uh, the, the taxes on property, you know, are higher. And, you know, you saw you saw some of that pushback. We knew that was going to happen. But if Jim Jordan behind the scenes is making deals with blue state Republicans, you know, look, I'll push to get this. Well, good luck at some point. First of all, you got to deliver on that. You're going to have to make that a push. And I don't know what that looks like. But but as you point out, it's it tells us what the overall makeup is and where everybody is. Going back to square one, nothing in the House changes with Kevin McCarthy being gone from Speaker. Nothing. The makeup of the House doesn't change. And the deal-making, the nature of the deal-making doesn't change. If there was a much greater margin by the GOP, then there would be a clear mandate and the Freedom Caucus and other real conservatives, if they're still left, could get to work on a number of things and get things done. That would tell them that the American, this is what the American people want. We saw it. You and I talked about it uh, repeatedly. 2016 GOP and Trump campaign. We're going to do away with all the Obamacare things. Everything. It's gone. Once we get elected, they get elected. And in early 2017, oh, yeah, well, our, our constituents don't want us to get away, give away or, or, or do away with all of the good things, all the benefits of Obamacare, just how you pay for it. You know what it reminds me of? The last week I was thinking about this it reminds me almost of the, the, the silver bullet solution. For example, term limits would do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's always that. You know, there's yeah, always. Yeah, and it's yeah. like. If, if McCarthy's gone, then we'll get the Republican Party to where it needs to be. And it's right. like, no, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because you're not going to change up. And we said this, we've been, this back and forth. The term limits, is, that's a great example, by the way. Because that argument, oh, we need term limits. Nancy's district's going to send the next Nancy. It's, it's always going to be that way. Well, in fact, that same district sent the current governor of california <laughs> remember he started out as the uh, a city councilman there in san francisco newsom did the the makeup now districts do change in makeup but there's another thing that's actually proof of you know this whole argument on on term limits we've seen it here in our area where well that district used to be a solid red not so much anymore now, it's not the same kind of blue as a very blue district in California, the aforementioned blue district of, mm-hmm. of uh, Nancy Pelosi, but it is a because the demographics change and things do shift. But but well, by, by saying term limits, what you're saying is, well, they shouldn't be, 
You're not going to change anything because it gets, and this is the same with McCarthy. Whoever is going to be in that speakership, even Matt Gates himself, if he became speaker, would have to do the same wheeling and dealing. Why didn't he want to run? But we're two weeks into this, and I have no idea what it's about. I, I don't either. Because it's not, I, I, it's issues, not going to solve what yeah. issues. Well, what issues it's about? I it, don't know. It it tells me once and for all this really was a personality conflict. Once you see Matt Gates kind of walking things back in recent days. Well, you know, continuing resolution and you know, what were we doing when you when you had to get McCarthy out of that seat? Do you still believe the same, or do you, do you just not like him as a guy? Yeah, sounds and like a personality conflict. Did, to anybody, me. did anybody ask Gates? Well, what about rolling back the right. uh, the, the the Trump uh, uh, tax cuts and the deductions? Was right. that the question salt, asked? Salt deductions, right? Was that question asked? I don't know if it was. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it. I don't know. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So where this goes, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's I don't know how long this could go on. What do you? What, We've got what do you seven do? now looking to be speaker. Yeah, but I say they all jump in, and and each of them vote for themselves. <laughs> I mean, we're at this point now. I I just don't see an end to this thing. I, I don't know how far this thing goes, because if the attacks on Israel were not going to bring the party together behind closed doors, I don't know what will now. I don't know what changes. And you could, I, I, I just, because nothing changes, again, with the makeup of the party. I don't know who's going to be at the top of that list where they finally go, oh, yeah, we, we never thought of him or her. Yeah, they, that should be the person. That should be the speaker. No, they've, they've run the gamut on it. All the top candidates now have failed. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA, 
and around the planet. We are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, uh, yeah, I mean, no speaker. When will we have a speaker? Who knows? But uh, the one good thing is with, you know, I, I don't, I did not get the feeling, except for people that are extremely involved in politics, that the speaker issue is a huge thing for the American public at this moment. I'm with you on that. I expected it to really be greater, with the exception of, you know, uh, Hakeem Jeffries and others, you know, in the Democratic Party using it as, "Ah, look, they can't get their stuff together. Yeah, we always... We're always a group as a party, and we're like, yeah, we know that's the problem. But um, but other than that, you know, outside of Wonkville, people are being bogged down with inflation, with everything else that's going on right now. It's interesting. I saw a, a story, and I didn't get to read the whole thing. Was, I just saw it tonight, you know, a couple hours before the show. And it wasn't one of the critical stories, but it talked about um, the new. There's a couple of things that I saw while we were out. Quiet quitting. And one of the reasons that the generation behind the current generation, I don't know which generation we're in, Z, X, millennials, whatever. But the ones behind the millennials basically are saying, we're quiet quitting because the we see that the millennials worked really hard at, but didn't achieve anything and i thought okay. okay i don't know who you're watching and i don't know what your measurement is but you're quiet quitting cuz you don't want to work hard and that's it that's the bottom line and there's nothing else going on there and then i saw another one and that was the uh, the new, uh, with everybody, you know, the more and more corporations making their people come into the office. Yeah. People are making a showing, basically, in, in the break room in the morning, grabbing coffee, and then all of a sudden, they ghost. They're gone. So... I forget what they call it. I got. I think it was Wall Street Journal. I'll put it up here. Coffee ghosting. It, it's. Yeah, it's. It is. It's. But it's the new. It's the new trend. And I'm thinking to myself. Well, hold on a second. Let's see what my. Um, oh, coffee badging. Right. All right. Here it is. Wall Street Journal. Coffee, coffee badging. Briefly showing face at the office might fulfill a requirement. But bosses say they're promoting and giving raises to workers who stay all day. All you have to do is, had I known that, the night of the 12th, Gary, we would have done the show. (laughs) 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 We wouldn't have gone home. No, but it's this, actually, it's kind of why they, why it caught my eye. It was a couple hours ago before the show. And, and, and again, they're, they're promoting and giving raises to workers who stay all day. This is the Wall Street Journal, you know. It's uh, let's see here. A cup of, uh, a, a cup of coffee in the majors is the term for a short baseball career in the big leagues. I didn't know that. I don't follow baseball that closely. 
Now some white-collar workers are leaving the office almost as soon as they arrive and calling the practice coffee badging. The difference is the ball player wishes he could stay. The people ditching their desks would rather not show up in the first place. We've entered the game gamemanship phase of the return-to-office battle between bosses and their subordinates. Instead of ignoring in-person mandates, as many people did when enforcement was lax, some are finding ways to follow the letter but not the spirit. They're going in on days when most co-workers don't, taking off early and creating afternoon dead zones, actually. I know of a good handful of, and, and the fact that it's anecdotal, and that I know of at least three different office spaces where that's happening, by the way, it does not include this one. That is actually going on. Dead zones in the afternoon. Uh, so taking off early and creating afternoon dead zones or, in the extreme, barely clocking in at all. Many companies' policies require employees to work a certain number of days in person without specifying the hours. Huh. People can make brief appearances long enough to be seen by executives and satisfy heightened monitoring, then bolt. It's the grown-up version of signing a professor's attendance sheet before ducking out of the lecture hall. Not that I ever did that, writes, uh, who is this, uh, Callum Borchers at Wall Street Journal. Um, coffee badging seems like a way to hack the RTO system, return to, to the office system, but there are flaws, not the least of which is the terms fuzzy etymology. Urban huh? Dictionary says the badge in the name is the building access card, so coffee badging. Well, the badge part of it in the name is the building access card that a worker uses to swipe into the office just long enough to sip a mug of joe. Others say that's too literal and claim the badge is actually an imaginary award, <laughs> an award for showing face like a Boy Scout merit badge pinned in the boss's mind instead of on a sash. That's where we've gotten to, and, and here's what I don't know. My God. Yeah, no, seriously. You see, as we touched on briefly earlier, the number of delinquencies right now with auto loans. You see where rent might be coming down in some areas, but it's areas where people are fleeing. There's a reason that rent is coming down. And in other areas, rent continues to just go up and up and up, and inflation going up and up and up. But we're at this point of, and someone called it forever low unemployment. And that is, you need me here. Actually, you don't need me here. You just need me on the roster to do a few things for you. And you're happy to get me to even show up in the morning. I don't know to what extent. I don't, you know, they don't have in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, data that says, okay, this is what's going on. There is some data about how many employers are, you know, bringing people back to the office. But 
we are at that point of a non-expanding, you know, it, you've got an economy that's not expanding really, but you still don't have enough, to be, and it won't expand until we have, have this influx of people. I don't know where that's going to come from. It, legal immigration, everything else, that's way down the road, and we're not making babies as a society. So I don't know where that comes from. And people seem to know it. If you don't need me, I can go across the street tomorrow and get a job. Yeah, but I'd have the I'd have the opposite that they have. Oh, all day. I I'd still be, do. I'd, I'd be working my butt off because yeah. if labor is if if you're short on labor and the labor that exists is lazy, right? Yeah, right. Because I, I I I'm sorry, you if you're an adult and you spend any time trying to figure out how to get out of work right? and just pretend that you're doing something or you're doing something just because of the image of it, I'm out of that company. Well, you know, if, that's, if that's it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gone mm-hmm. from a, from a, I'm gone from a company. I would look for another job for people that actually want me to produce mm-hmm. the whole thing of quiet quitting or the whole thing of, you know, it's sort of like, when when I was a when I was a uh, uh, a radio station manager, mm-hmm. I still get I still get you know people, my old employees who years I mean thirty years later, come to me and say you were a great boss. You never yeah. held meetings, right? So well, yeah, I did. No, you never held a meeting with us. I said when you came to my office, yeah, that was our meeting. I didn't right. call it a meeting, but right. you know, I knew it was going on. Right. Oh yeah, you always knew what was going on. We always exactly. respected you, but you didn't. You didn't. You never wasted our time. Right? No, I'm not going to waste your time right. on it. I don't want to waste my time. Why would I waste your time when I can have a meeting one on one when you stop by my office every day because you feel comfortable stopping by my office? Right. And it's and you because because you getting... know because you know I respect the work that you do. Right. You want to come by and see me, and that's because I hired people that were self-motivated people to begin with. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. But I got more of that, which was completely unexpected. And a lot of it's come the last five years from people that worked, uh, you know, uh, for me, by the way, through the range of political agenda from left all the way to right Mm -hmm. that that worked for me. Politics didn't matter. They just said, we love working for you. I'd like three people say, if I could work for you again and make the same pay, Mm-hmm. I do it in a second. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I like my, well, you know, I like, I like my job. But it also reminded me when, when I worked in machining, and you had rates and things like that, and the rates were completely off. But mm. there was a mentality to do the minimum, and I said, why? Right. I remember saying, if you do the minimum, you, you're not expecting to stay here long, are you? Right. Right. Because you're competing against the world. And if you're not putting in the maximum effort to produce the parts that you could produce, you're going to be out of a job. Mm-hmm. Well, the one company that was the worst at it, they no longer exist. Right. Yeah. They were out of business less right. than, than, you know, than, you know, uh, I don't know, eight, nine years later, they were done. Right. They were gone. Yeah. Closed up shop and left because eventually you have to compete against the world. Right. And. I know that, but I don't want to waste if I'm at work. You know, it's sort of like here. You and I love the smartphone because it makes 
us much more productive and efficient. We're able to go through more stories. We're able to actually get more. And that's our goal. Mm -hmm. Because why waste time? Why waste time doing this if you're not going to go for it? Well, that's it. If, Why waste yeah, time doing no, anything? I, though? I, anything. I was about to say, if you're gonna, if you're gonna show up, if you're gonna do something, and I have a family member, and I, I remember talking to them when they were young, and 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 saying, you know, it's what you and I have talked about, and talking to younger people, it's look, don't, don't act like today is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, whatever you're doing today. Uh, it may be, and it may not be anything that you plan. I didn't plan radio at all. <laughs> Did I just hear someone say I know? Um, but uh, it was one of those things where that the moment I got hired at the age of 18, I, I instantly fell in love with it. But also what my father set out, just like your father, John, do the job. My dad set that example by doing the job and you show up every day. But you show up every day because you're looking to to learn something. You're looking to uh, do something that you love for a living, and you're looking also to have that pride of that job that gets done. You know, it's it because at some point you start empowering others if you're doing it right, and others can learn from your example in your life, and that's kind of the way it it, it works out. I don't get this whole idea of wanting to show up just long enough to drink some coffee, mm -hmm. be seen, and be gone. To me, that's the equivalent of stealing. Now, I will say this, that when I went into radio to begin with, uh, I thought it was going to be just all fun and games and just mm -hmm. easy to do. Mm -hmm. That was the shock mm -hmm. that even in music radio, it wasn't. Yeah, There's one thing to say, oh, that's fun. I could do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, what about five years from now and have the same energy and, and you know, the same creativity? Mm -hmm. That's the that actually is the hard part. Mm -hmm. The hard part is not doing it once mm -hmm. or even twice. It's the 30,000 hours. It's the 30. It's uh, the old David Lee Roth. Exactly. The 30,000 hour thing yeah. <laughs> that that that's when you'll get comfortable doing it <laughs> until you get to that point. Right. It's a heck of a lot of. It's a heck of a lot of work. Right. I didn't expect that. I just thought it would be an easier, you know, business and be fun to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it. That's why I stuck with it. But as I talked about, talk radio scared the daylights out of me. Mm -hmm. And I was forced to do talk radio because when you sit there and, you know, you look at the clock and it's six minutes after the hour and you have to talk till 20 after 20 after. Mm -hmm. And so you've got 14 minutes to talk. Mm -hmm. And then you get on the air and you talk for five, six, seven minutes. And it seems like. You know, you've been monologuing for an hour, mm -hmm. and then you run out of things to say in that seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Everything that you had is right. gone. <laughs> right. Exactly. And the panic sets in, and you're like, oh, my God, they know my name. I'm doing this before the world. Yeah. I can't embarrass myself. I mean, that that is what, you know, that, that was a great motivator. But j that was just a very short time not expecting it, the job to be as hard as it was. Right. I just thought it would be easier, and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because college radio was great. It was all fun and games. You just assume, I just take that and I go to the commercial realm. No, that wasn't the case. But the the fact is, these are people that are have professional jobs and been in it for a while and are saying, we're going to quiet quit. You know, I don't get that because so many of them, you know, you get the college degree, you get certified for this or that, you get all that experience behind you. What is, what is that value to you? 
How is that not a great value of everything well, the, you've accomplished so far to get where you are? To get how further. Is that not, yeah. To get further to make more money. Right. Because I tell everybody, I go, the, the problems are the same. Yeah. No matter, where, no matter where you go and how, exactly. how high you go, the problem yep. is the same because yep. you're dealing with human beings. Exactly. But it's a little easier because you're making more money. Exactly. But you the can, challenges are always the same. Every day. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. Uncompensated detention at docks frustrates drivers of all stripes. If you're an owner-operator, you have at least some control over the matter. Make the subject a standard part of your rate and or contract negotiations on the front end. You can use your own numbers to calculate an hourly rate to compensate for lost income opportunity, as well as fixed costs, which don't stop when the truck stops. Those two elements of a fair detention rate were deemed appropriate by most of Overdrive's audience almost a decade ago. We've used income, fixed costs, and miles average of our owner-operator business services from ATBS's clients to compute an average $64 an hour detention rate then. And 10 years later, the figure is $83 an hour. Use your own numbers to calculate your rate. A simple conversation with any broker or shipper or your carrier, if you're leased, about what you're putting in the rate might yield results you don't expect. Odor Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business Program. Go to overdriveonline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more details on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just uh, reading this uh, headline here. Why Bidenomics isn't popular. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is, is there just one reason? Yeah, we have a whole list of reasons. You know, some of, some of the, uh, the, the, the headlines that were just, I mean, uh, uh, this one I said should be in the Babylon Bee. The media will never forgive Israel for not bombing that hospital. <laughs> Man, it was, oh. it was like, it really, it was so wild to watch that not in show prep mode to watch that story play out because like you, I was in and out, you know, and then as it started to turn and there was, and I said, the Intel will be there. We'll have the Intel, not just Israel. The U S will have Intel Intel as to what happened. And then even after it came across, they were like, it's like the liberal media wanted it to be true that Israel did it. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. As soon as I saw last week uh, that, that story on the, uh, the the hospital, I said, Israel didn't do that. All right. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. Israel didn't do that. In fact, 
I suspected. We now found out it was a, what, a malfunction rocket. Yeah, a misfired rocket. A misfired and, rocket. And, from... and what had happened, Wall Street Journal did a really good piece on this. Uh, they put it out yesterday, Sunday. And you should really watch it. You can go to YouTube and watch mm-hmm. it. It's not, there is not a paywall on their on their video pieces that they, they put out. And they put out a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, this was open source stuff from a number of, there were four different vantage points, camera positions. And you could see, and they, they said that their experts uh, did the analysis of this. But you could see where there were some short-range missiles being fired in great numbers. I mean, it looked like maybe seven, eight, or more. And then one long-range missile was fired. And it reaches a point, and then there is, it looks to be an explosion in midair, and then there's a turn, and it comes back. And that's where they believe it started to, to break up. It still has most of its fuel. So it's obviously going to be dangerous in anything that it hits and it just turns out that those fragment and the main part of it hit at that hospital location the a couple of fragments hit nearby cars uh they exploded and of course the main misfired missile hit the ground and they could also tell it was misfired from the smaller crater that it left it was a shallower hole that it left where it hit and that, that is indication of a misfired missile. But when you watch this from three different vantage, uh, four different vantage points, one of them, by the way, was Al Jazeera, who had live coverage uh, just to the west of that hospital where that missile came back and hit. And I knew once, you know, because I said to myself, well, uh, someone in the family had asked me, what do you think? I said, well... You know, I'm not following it as closely because I'm, you know, we're not we're not working. I've been very very sick, and I said, but Intel, U.S. Intel will know. Not just Israeli Intel, U.S. Intel will be able to tell because we're going to have. And and this is what happened when it came out that the that the uh, the the U.S. government uh, showed uh, that that it was not Israel that fired that rocket. Well. They used open source. They used Eye in the Sky, which is satellite uh, technology and observation. Um, And they used intercepts, which you were going to get because it's so fluid with social media and everything else. I mean, the main players are all over social media. There's a lot of stuff that can be picked up through intercepts that that they gather. But when you look at the video, the way the Wall Street Journal put it together, look, it's very clear. And they point out at the Wall Street Journal that it's estimated that in 2022, when there was a flare-up between Gaza and, and, and Israel, that the, the rockets, that uh, roughly 20% of the rockets being fired from, the, from Gaza were misfires and hit somewhere inside Gaza. And when you look at that, uh, that's, you know, again, indication that's, we, you and I always wait. And even when I was talking to family members about, hey, what do you think? I, I don't know yet. But Intel will tell something. They will tell the story. So when U.S. Intel came back, you know, it was like, okay. It, because it serves the U.S. 
for our strongest ally, it serves the U.S. in a big way and that you get that information out there right away because the world right was ready to pounce on Israel at that point. As Bill Maher was talking about to New York Times, uh, Brett Stevens, about the headline mm. that the New York Times had, which became a story in itself uh, last week. So uh, here is uh, this little this uh, clip from uh, Bill Maher last Friday. Now, I don't want to get you in trouble with the people who write your paycheck, but the New York Times is the story somewhat this, this week because they put out a headline, uh, Israeli strike, the, the horrible ha- happening at the hospital, the hospital in, in Gaza was blown up. I'm not quite sure why this is quite the scandal they think it is, but I, I agree it's a, it's a terrible headline. Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. That was the headline. I feel like putting Palestinians say at the end of it saves their bacon a little bit. It's kind of, I mean, you, you could interpret that like Palestinians say. But I agree, it's terrible to just put the first part, Israeli strike kills hundreds, when we know now it did not. Uh, so without trying to get myself yeah. in trouble with my employer, I, I, I have been covering this story for 25 years. I was editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. Um, the media has a real problem there because when they cover Palestinian issues, they are covering an authoritarian society right. where people live in fear of telling the truth. So everything that comes out of it has to be checked, double-checked, and triple-checked. When you're talking about Palestinians in this case, you're actually talking about Hamas. Every time health authorities are mentioned right. in Gaza, it's not like uh, the FDA showed up or something or the Red Cross. It's, it, it's, it's Hamas. And this, this goes to the basic difference between what we have on the Israeli side and the Palestinian side. On the Israeli side, for all of its problems, it is an open democratic society. Journalists do not live in fear that the government is going to hurt them for what they report. When you're writing about the Palestinians, they are living in fear. So think of it, it's not the same, but to some extent it's like reporting from North Korea or South Korea. Everything that comes out of North Korea has to be treated with a major, massive amount of of skepticism. And things that are coming out of Israel are likely true because it kind of resembles the society we have here. Well, yeah, duh, which we've said all all along. It's like, well, why do you blame uh, uh, Hamas or the Palestinian Authority? Well, because they've made it clear what their mission is to eradicate Israel and kill all Jews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, when Hamas has that in their charter, yeah. that should be an indication of how that differs from uh, what Israel believes as a modern uh, democratic society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, that, that is, we definitely get the conundrum that the media there might have. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that you have to, you have to be able to read the room for what it has always been. Hamas did not have any problem, in fact, celebrated attacking civilians, targeting civilians. But did you? You notice how Brett Stevens had to say it with, without getting me getting in trouble with my employer. With, with my employer, yeah. I don't think I've ever said that while being a talk radio host. Nope. Ever. Nope. Ever. Nope. No. Ever. Nope. No. Yeah. You know, what you're saying is they're wrong for putting that headline in there. The exactly. way that they put the headline in. Exactly. 
Now, if it was, if it was Hamas says Israel fired a rocket that killed Hamas claims. Yeah, yeah right. Hamas, Hamas claims Israel mm-hmm. fired a rocket right. that hit a hospital. Hundreds are dead. Mm-hmm. Israel says it's not true. Right. At that point, that would be an accurate headline. That's that's an accurate headline. Right. And even when Israel, before the U.S. came out and Israel said, no, it, it is it did not come from us. It was like, OK, that's why I responded, because somebody, a family member had texted me and I said, I, you know, U.S. Intel will know. And we'll probably learn something very quickly because it will be in their best interest to get whatever they have out to the world because the world was ready to come down on Israel. And we saw that being led by the liberal media and and also to this New York Times writer. You know, this wasn't coming out of, uh, you know, that region. This is coming out of New York, as in the Times. So when you look at that for what it is, that it, this is part of the shaping of the narrative that has been going on forever, and they know it. They know it. And I, I don't know where that changes if you're – if you talked uh, earlier about – you touched on the anti-Semitism that, that is very much alive in America, and it's sickening to watch. And I'm sure it exists in a number of newsrooms and and even the newsrooms in New York City to some extent. But you have to know that your viewers know the way that you write certain things. In this, you're essentially picking aside by how you phrase it, the placement of words. You're choosing a side. I said from the beginning, this is going to separate the extremists from every and the radicals from everybody else. And I was right about that. Well, you've already seen. I mean, the I think every member of the squad now has come out and said we need to cease fire. That we need to have a yeah. negotiated settlement here. Right. right. It's like, sorry, that's not going to happen. No, you can't do what Hamas did and expect there's going to be a negotiation two weeks later. Can you imagine in October of 2001, Bush said, we're going into Afghanistan, and then the world said, no, 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 no. Imagine that. Well, you see what's going on right now. I mean, the stories are all out there over the last 24 hours that the U.S. is telling Israel, do not go in yet because... We want to negotiate. Because yeah. we want to negotiate with for the hostages. Right, right. Which is exactly, exactly what Hamas wants. It, oh, they, they, exactly this, what this they is, want. This is their playbook. Yep. And to what end? And then I love this one. On Friday's PBS NewsHour, New York Times columnist David Brooks said that the essence of President Joe Biden's view of the world and possibly why he was elected is that when the U.S. begins withdrawing, then that's a green light to Putin, that's a green light to Hamas. Co-host Jeb Bennett said the president in his address last night, as Jonathan mentioned, said the U.S. holds the world together. It was a uh, uh, it was much of the opinion of President Biden's worldview. Uh, Brooks responded, yeah, in the essence of his worldview and maybe why he was elected at this moment, 
he was uh, he used the word uh, inflection point, and I think he's right that the thing is there's a foreign policy scholar named Robert Kagan who wrote a book a couple of years ago now called The Jungle Grows Back, and the core point of the book is people can take U.S. leadership for granted, but when the U.S. begins withdrawing, that's a green light to Putin, that's a green light to Hamas, and so the U.S. has to be involved. It's not a role that we've ever loved, but if you happen to be as dominant as an economic power and military power as we, that's the role thrust upon you, and if you don't take these actions, that's immensely costly. What they say is true relating to Biden is pure horse manure. Yeah. Because he pulled out of Afghanistan. Yeah, that's that's a load of garbage. And and he has been because of his because of his policies of the of not enforcing the oil embargo uh, has enriched Iran with hundreds upon hundreds, billions of billions of dollars in revenue. That's a cover by David Brooks and Jeff Bennett and uh, PBS NewsHour. That's a cover for Biden, but yep. it's pure bullcrap. It is. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. While we were gone on uh, vacation, where's the money? Where's the money? The Democrats screaming, where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? Well, they found some money. Uh Talking about Joe Biden, and they found money that directly came to him. The interesting thing is, when you delve into it, Mm -hmm. is that this was actually covered by the liberal media mm. back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Politico had a story on this mm. a long time ago. Now, the exact money amount and the banking records weren't there, but that's what Comer has now, and we'll go through the entire story because this sort of got lost. I have seen zero coverage from the mainstream media on this. Mm. Now, again, I was on vacation and everything else. And, yeah. But yeah. I have not seen any analysis of this by anyone in the liberal media. If and you it fi- broke, if, what, Friday? Uh, that Comer was talking yes. about it. It was Friday. Yes. Yeah. So then you look at it and say, all right, uh, you know, all right. So they had other things to do over the weekend, I guess. Let's see if they cover it today. It's not going to go away. No, this is not going to go away at all. And this is something that I went, whoa, because this is this you're talking about 2018, 2019, right. 200,000 yep. uh, dollars directly into the personal account of Joe Biden. Right. We'll tell you what it's all about coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we go. We are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, so this is going to get interesting. Hmm. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said his panel has uncovered evidence that Joe Biden in 2018 received a $200,000 direct payment from his brother, James Biden, and his sister-in-law, Sarah Biden, and is demanding the president answer questions about financial arrangements with members of his family. As we know, Comer's been leading the investigation into the Biden's family business dealing since January and whether President Biden was involved in those ventures or personally benefited from them. This from Fox News. Comer in September issued three subpoenas for personal and business bank records belonging to both Hunter Biden and James Biden. Uh, Comer in a video posted to X, that's Twitter, uh, detailing his committee's latest findings. Comer said the check was written by James Biden to President Biden as a loan repayment, but questioned the timing. Bank records obtained by the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability have revealed a $200,000 direct payment from James and Sarah Biden to Joe Biden in the form of a personal check. Comer explained that in 2018, James Biden received $600,000 in loans from AmeriCorps, a financially distressed and failing rural hospital operator. Uh, According to bankruptcy court uh, documents, James Biden received these loans based upon representations that his last name Biden could open doors and that he could obtain a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections. Hmm. On March 1st, 2018, America wired a $200,000 loan into James and Sarah Biden's personal bank account, not their business bank account. And then on the very same day, James Biden wrote a $200,000 check from this same personal bank account to Joe Biden. Now, the interesting thing is, is that when you look at uh, this, uh, this story, this story goes back, the liberal media was covering this in 2020, mm-hmm. Politico mm-hmm. can't get much more liberal than Politico. Mm-hmm. James Biden healthcare ventures face a growing uh, legal problem, a mysterious F- FBI raid, new allegations from former executives. Questions are swirling about the business dealings of Joe Biden's brother. And this is under the 2020 elections. This was March 9th of 2020. The Federal Bureau of Invest just what that would be okay two years after this happened the the uh, the money was actually transferred the Federal Bureau of Investigation raided a healthcare business linked to Joe Biden's brother in late January seizing boxes of documents understand this comes from a liberal source the raid on AmeriCorps Health Hospital represented a deep deepening of the legal morass surrounding James Biden's. Reach recent venture into healthcare investing at a time when questions about the business dealings of Joe Biden's relatives and their alleged connection to the former vice president's public service continue to dog his presidential campaign. In the week since the raid, two small medical firms that did business with James Biden 
have claimed in civil court proceedings to have obtained evidence that me that he may have fraudulently transferred funds from AmeriCorps outside the ordinary course of business. And a former AmeriCorps executive has told Politico that James Biden had more than a half million dollars transferred to him from the firm as a personal loan that he has not repaid. The purpose of the January 30th raid of the hospital uh, offices remains unclear. There is no indication if it was related to the actions of Biden's younger brother, who has not been accused of criminal wrongdoing. Its owner, AmeriCorps, has faced legal problems and allegations of mismanagement that are unrelated to James Biden. But, again, remember, this Mm. is from a liberal source. Mm -hmm. Recent filings in the ongoing legal proceedings Along the uh, along with new accounts provided to Politico by former executives of AmeriCorps and others, point to potential pitfalls for the former vice president, painting the fullest picture of James Biden's health care dealings and the ways in which they allegedly related to his old brother. In 2017 and 2018, James was embarking on a foray into health care investing, telling potential partners, including AmeriCorps, that his last name could open doors, and that Joe Biden was excited about the public policy implications of their business models, according to court filings and interviews with James' former business contacts. Tom Pritchard, a former AmeriCorps executive familiar with the business finances, told Politico that James Biden's arrival uh, made AmeriCorps' financial problems worse holding out the promise of a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections, who would be whom, Hmm. James Biden introduced AmeriCorps' founder to his older brother Joe and helped land a bridge loan to AmeriCorps from a hedge fund, Pritchard said. But then Pritchard said James Biden received a six-figure personal loan out of AmeriCorps' coffers while encouraging the firm to take on greater financial liabilities because a cash fusion from the Middle East was coming. Well, it never arrived, and Pritchard said James Biden has not paid back the loan, the terms of which are unknown. It was all smoke and mirrors, Pritchard said. Meanwhile, AmeriCorps found itself increasingly hamstrung by high-interest loans and unable to pay employees and vendors. The situation that disrupted the operations of the rural hospitals it owns. Now the business is in bankruptcy court and federal authorities are uh, uh, circling, excuse me. Mm. Uh, A Biden campaign official said Joe Biden never discussed AmeriCorps with his brother or expressed support for the business. Uh I don't know anything about it. How about two hundred thousand? And that's that's a that's a problem right there. And this thing, you know, be interesting to see where this all goes. But now you've got the first detailing of actual dollars yep. going to Joe Biden. Well, and you know, again, when you look at it, the timing of it on March first, twenty eighteen, two hundred thousand dollars is wired from AmeriCorps to Joe Biden's brother. James, on that very same day, James Biden 
wrote a $200,000 check from the same personal bank account to Joe Biden. You want answers to all of the questions. Well, they can't say now where's the money, so they'll say he wasn't vice president. He wasn't vice president, right. or president at that time, right? Mm-hmm. That would that will be the that will be the next. But he was going to run for president. Remember the whole impeachment thing with Trump. If you if you assume he wasn't going to run in 2020 back in 2018, well, of course, now we can say you would have assumed wrong, but that wouldn't have been a fair assumption even back then. It was shaping up to be that he was going to be the nominee. And again, how do you not follow through with the investigation here? At the very least. Yeah. Answer all of the questions. Open all of the books. This is what impeachment inquiry is all about because it should be, you know, in a, wow, in, in, in a, um, in a fair society, <laughs> they use that word, so we will too, uh, then you would have the Department of Justice cooperating with the GOP. You would have people that would be concerned about this from both parties. I'm Any, sure there are plenty, by the way, of Democrats that are concerned about it. They're just not saying they're concerned about it. Yeah, anything, they're greatly anything from the White it. House over the weekend? Anything? I didn't see anything because this hit yeah. Friday, Friday yeah. evening uh, when, when it first came out uh, that I saw it. I saw it on X uh, Friday afternoon. Well, I saw it Friday afternoon, but it was really ramping up. It was really <clears> circulating <throat> And getting lots of uh, conversations going uh, late Friday afternoon into, into Friday evening. But I did not see any response from the White House so far. I mean, it may have happened and I missed it. Now, nobody is denying the 200000 being transferred. Yeah. And as we have said all along, the biggest problem that Biden's always had on this is the American public understand how it works. Right. They understand how money is moved yep. and laundered yep. or or whatever. You look at this, though, and you say, hmm, why would he make it directly, you know, from his, you know, personal account, personal account on the day that it arrived was wired to his account. Let me writes a check for the same amount. Let me ask you this. Hmm. Is it just sloppiness? We've got away for it. We've got away with it for so long. Well, he's not vice president or president now, so we don't need to use, uh, you know, the where we funnel the money before. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to because it really doesn't matter. Right. I want to see was anything written in the memo or the check. Because James loan Biden, loan repayment loan repayment. All right. I'm looking at the check. Right. By now. the way, that's yeah. what I thought they would claim. Yeah. He borrowed money from his brother. He got money from this corporation. As soon as he got that money, he repaid his brother. That's where they'll go with this. And now with that being knowing that that was written in the memo line of the check, that's where they're going. Saw the other one about you saw, I think it was uh, Daily Mail UK. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. How did the president pay 
$2.9 million in cash for his Rhode Island home. Mm. Well, the thing is, too, when you look at the two, you know, the $200,000 loan repayment, that's how you don't pay taxes on it. Right. And But you've got to show the loan. Well, you've got to show where He's Joe Biden loaned loan. that money right. to his brother. Right. Show me where that happened. Either over a period of time where it, it amounted to a total of 200000 or one check written by Joe. Show me that. But the interesting thing is, it was Politico in March. Think about this. In mm-hmm. March mm-hmm. of twenty. That was stating from all their sources that this was about influence peddling with Joe Biden. Right. And now we know the check actually happened. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be good. Nope. Eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, if the Republicans can get a uh, uh, a speaker uh, this week, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, more focus on that. And mm-hmm. uh, the you know, again, the uh, the uh, Israeli uh, Hamas war has gotten, yeah. um, you know, that's really dominated the news. And by the way, every single I will tell you this because I watched, you know, uh, being at uh, being at you know, at dad's for a few days or whatever, I watched more mainstream media than I normally do. Mm. And they were just all over. Yeah. Yeah. Just all over the, you know, Israel war constantly. Right. I mean, and, and so I was really shocked. They really didn't seem to cover at least in the first couple of stories, the speaker story at all. Right. Not that they didn't cover it, but it wasn't in the first couple of stories. Right. And, uh, and, and so it's, it, can it, you know, if they don't get this thing done, it could become a major problem down the road, especially if the government is shut down yeah. because the Republicans still don't have a speaker three weeks from now and nobody can negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're going to have to get it together as a party and hold it together for 24. You're going to have to get a larger margin in the House and you need to get the Senate back and you need to get the White House back. And those are yeah. your goals. You said it last November. I think you said it before Election Day, but you said, look, however this turns out, it has to be the push for 24. It has to be the push for 24. Yeah, because you're not going to be able, you don't have the numbers to accomplish anything great. Right. Even if they had won the Senate by one or two seats, which, you know, didn't happen, you're you're still not going, you know, you're not going to have that kind of, without the White House, you're not going to get anything done. And so we said the, the the time is to promote what you believe in and show unity and win more in 24. Yeah. I find that, um, you know, it, it's interesting, as I said, I've, I found that most people I talked to that were, you know, behind Matt Gates originally mm. and behind, you know, Jim Jordan uh, becoming the speaker, they understand that you need independence. They think that rage can get you there from the speaker. It's not going to get you there. It isn't. Rage and anger because they view the 
people that I talked to and communicated with believe that the anger that Trump shows is what the Republican Party needs. Look, instead uh, of being right on the issues and being able to convince independence, I don't need I I understand when when uh, uh, Jim Jordan is angry at a witness. I understand yeah. why he's angry. Yeah. And at that moment, you should be angry. And every political party has their pit bulls. He's a pit bull. Yep. That's what he is. And I don't say that. That's not said as an insult. It's said of, as the reality of what you have to do, what members of Congress have to do. I didn't view him, you know, again, he could become speaker and he could calm down and he could be great. But yeah. knowing what his image is to the American public, he's a tougher sell to convince independents to vote for Republicans, I believe. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, when you see on the issues and you see, as the Wall Street Journal said, well, he wanted to double the, the, the salt deductions mm -hmm. as a gift. Well, that wasn't in what McCarthy had approved from the House conservatives. Right. You know, it was it was uh, Gates himself. Well, it was interesting that uh, Jordan came up with the idea of a continuing resolution. So I'm willing to listen to him on that, even though I don't accept a, you know, a continuing resolution. I'm willing to hear what he has to say. All right. Well, you weren't with McCarthy. Yeah. Which tells me, again, it was a personality yeah. conflict. You conflict you had with with Kevin McCarthy. And, the, you know, I. I get it within the halls. But get your stuff together as a party, hold it together, and convince the more of the American people to come to your side. And when you get that larger margin, use it. Get the agenda done. Because nothing is going to change. Nothing, regardless of who becomes speaker. Nothing is going to change. You're not changing the makeup of the House. It seemed that some people almost wanted that to be the case. That along the way, they felt, well, if this person is speaker, that the makeup of the house changes and these things will happen. It's not the way it works. It isn't. And it's not going to be. Likely ever in our lifetime, the way it works is you win elections as a party with a clear mandate from the American people, and then you go to work. Well, as I said all along, you know, when we got, remember, the, when we got the call from the one listener says, well, you guys don't get what the fight's about. Yeah. Yeah, you're, uh, that's it. Right. Yeah, that's right. We don't get yeah. what the fight's about. Yeah. Thank you. Please educate us on yeah. the fight. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, we know what the fight is. Yeah. But, exactly. And we know, though, you've got to win independence. Yep. And so you need a leader of the Republican Party that has the base, a conservative base with them, that can also get independence. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 
And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for uh, uh, being here. Yeah, so when we were on vacation, you could see it yesterday, whether it was the uh, the, the, the squad uh, or, the, you know, more, more of the call out there for a uh, negotiated settlement. And yeah, right. uh, and for aid uh, to go into uh, to Gaza and the um, CNN story here, U.S. seeks delay of Israeli ground operation to allow more time for hostage talks. I mean, we really do live in a bizarre world. Yeah, I mean, we live in a totally and, and right now in the United States, when you think about this administration, you know, number one, what they did in Afghanistan by pulling out and lying to the American public about it by supporting Iran and their terrorist activities to fund Hamas and Hezbollah since Biden has been president to the tune of billions upon billions of dollars by not enforcing federal law, which is which it is a federal law to, uh, you know, to freeze any oil profits, you know, that Iran has. And Trump did it. Biden would not do it. Right. And just, you know, everything that you uh, that. You see the six, the six billion dollars also for the, uh, the hostages. I haven't seen uh, since we went on vac- vacation. I didn't see Andrew McCarthy update what he said. He goes, well, they didn't do anything because remember they said, well, we have a deal now or a quiet deal uh, with uh, Cutter, and then they they wrote you know in the press release what it is, and we we had brought this up on Wednesday night Thursday night show two weeks ago, right. Uh, when we said, when McCarthy said, well, there's no difference. This is the same before. They're simply taking the words that they have said before and using it again. But that's no. That has, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. There exactly. is no there is no new negotiation. And there's, and there's no you know, indication from there. And I got to see if he updated that. I didn't see it last week uh, at all on it. And so at the same time, he's talking about the fact that we need billions of dollars for Ukraine and uh, and and Israel to defend Israel mm-hmm. from what the Biden administration's policy continues to support the enemy right. through Iran's oil profits, right. which are right now going to Hamas to help fund against the United States. So, in essence, we're funding both sides of yep. a war. Yep. Where am I wrong? Well, here's, where am I? Where am, know, I am I? Am I wrong? I want to know where I'm wrong. No, in, that's the in, insanity. In, in this analogy here, that's, where am I wrong? That's the insanity. Because the embargo was a Trump deal, Jack. A secure border? That was a Trump deal, Jack. It's really coming down to this. Joe Biden wants to do the opposite of anything that Donald Trump did including not enforcing the embargo and allowing Iran still today to profit billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we know there's no one that denies it except Iran, that they use that money to fund terrorism around the world, including, and especially right now, Hamas. But the embargo was a Trump deal, Jack. I'm not doing Trump's deal, Jack. The wall. That small portion of the wall in Texas. We're still scratching our heads about this. Honestly, nothing makes sense 
at all. We threw out common sense years ago. I mean, it's you can't even say, well, common sense would dictate that this is going to be the case. That's going to be the case. But you look at the response right now, still today, to the attack on Israel. And and Biden just seems absolutely exactly what he is. Lost, yeah. clueless, and incapable of leading. Yeah, I don't care what he says. Nope, I don't either. I, I care what he does. Because what and he we'll says know, is meaningless. And we'll know when there is action from the U.S. in support of his, right. Israel. We'll know it. You'll see evidence and, of that. And this is one of the reasons that we want a together Republican Party. So in unison, they can talk about the fact that, wait a minute, you're asking us, you're asking the taxpayer to fund, to give money to Israel to fight. Yet at the same time, you're not enforcing federal law for the embargo of oil from Iran, which, in fact, you did the opposite which is funding Iran mm-hmm. billions of dollars, which they're which they're giving to Hamas to fund the war against Israel and the United States. So the administration is involved in both ends yeah. of funding both sides. Right. And again, I ask the question: Where am I wrong there? And if I'm mistaken in any way, somebody please tell me where I'm mistaken no, there, the because I'd truth. like to know. It's the absolute truth, and I thought for sure, you and I talked about it, when the attack on Israel happened. Okay, GOP, go to work behind closed doors, get this thing done, and move on so that you can do what you need to be doing right now, all that you can do in the House as a party in order to support Israel to make sure that we support our allies, but we also protect Israel. American people. And can we please enforce federal law and stop funding the country that is exporting terrorism and supporting terrorism through their oil money? Right. Could we possibly stop that? Does that seem like a great idea? Right. But as who was it? Uh, it was uh, we read it. It was a liberal outlet that said the problem that the president has is the fact that uh, you know doesn't want gas prices are coming down. He doesn't want them to go up yeah. if he enforces the Iranian oil embargo. Right. Well, then you're saying you want cheap gas prices. So in order to have cheap gas prices, what the liberal outlet we you know was implying, in order to have cheap gas prices, we cannot enforce federal law uh, to stop you know or to, to embargo. Uh, Iranian oil, so they don't see those profits and any oil they get freeze the assets, those particular monetary assets. Uh, He won't do that because he wants gasoline prices to be low. Then Iran is taking that money and funding Hamas and Hezbollah that are waging war against Israel that now the president is saying we need billions of dollars to give to Israel to defend themselves from the terrorist organization, which is being funded by Iran, that Biden will not enforce federal law on and ensure that any funds are frozen and that the embargo was in effect. Yeah. Could have done that day one. I mean, 
it just it's it's ma- it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. I I I for one will say this. I I haven't seen this in my observing politicians. This I haven't seen because we're currently helping to fund both sides. Yep. No, that's it. Based on based on the behavior of the president. And he could get wide support, plenty of support on enforcing the embargo. That wouldn't even, you wouldn't really even need the support. Just do it. Cut them off. And he won't. That is beyond maddening. He's incapable of leading. He is flat out incapable of leading. And you can see it, by the way, with all the White House staffers and cabinet members. These people are all jokes and everything is chaos. They're scrambling. Because he's still commander in chief. Yeah, I just like I said, I you observe this, and you say, well, OK, well, this is the scenario I got to be wrong somewhere because otherwise people would be screaming about why are we funding both sides? And you don't hear it. Nobody's screaming that. No, nobody is. It's like, so where am I wrong in this? Yep. I must be wrong because this is obviously something that would upset Americans, correct? Certainly this has been vetted by the public, right? Well, yeah. the, the public is the public is upset about the continuing funding of Ukraine without accomplishing anything. Yep. Well, what if we were also ensuring that Russia had funds that they didn't have before because we stopped them from getting funds, and then Biden gets into office and ensures that they have the funding? Yep. yep. I'm sure people would be angry if that was Ukraine. Yeah. Is yeah. it? Is it just the media hasn't covered this it, part of it or articulated it because it's just like, it's been out there. And we, it's, we, it's far too obvious. It's sitting there. The scenario is very real and apparent to anyone who's not wearing blinders. But keep in mind, this is a media that still wanted that rocket to have come from Israel. They still wanted to be right about that. They wanted Hamas and Palestinians to be right. You know, re- reading that from the Na- National Review, Beckett Adams, the media will never forgive Israel for not bombing that hospital. Reporters and pundits mishandled the Gaza hospital story because they wanted so badly for it to be true. Few things are as dangerous as a newsroom that wants a story to be true. An overzealous editor is how the really dangerous stuff gets printed. The free press is supposed to operate from a set of principles working from established guardrails. By the way, I can just go blah, 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 yeah, yada, yeah, yada, yeah, yada, yeah. because they're not newsrooms nope. and they're not journalists. They're activists. And as we said from the beginning, this entire situation will quickly and has since the beginning separated the radicals from everybody else. Right. The story was suspect from the get-go, considering the sole source of the claim was the Gaza Health Ministry. In other words, Hamas. But that didn't matter. The U.S. press wanted the story to be true as evidenced by the 
indefensibly slipshod and irresponsible coverage that clogged up news feeds around the world, and they give all the different examples of it. And you would ask yourself, well, how are they not greatly embarrassed? Because they don't care. They don't care. When the truth never matters, they don't mind getting it wrong. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Michael in Florida. Michael, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Michael. Hi there. Well, thank you. Uh, great to listen to you guys, and uh, salute all the truckers that listen as well. They keep the nation moving. I uh, just wanted to make a point, and it's pretty bleak, I think, overall. It's that I just don't see a solution to this problem, honestly. All my life, all there's been is this turmoil of the... the um, the Arab world in general, not just the Palestinians, but the Arabs and the, the whole the whole Arab nation, the Arab League, won't recognize the existence of Israel. And as far as the uh, extremists go, it's not just the Jews that they're after, but it's just anybody who doesn't believe as they do. And they can use any means necessary because anybody who doesn't believe what they believe is the heathen. And, uh, you know, violence is acceptable and brutality is acceptable. And uh, I just don't see what civilization, what society, the Palestinians are even uh, building up there. They're in the Gaza. Don't they have enough room for uh, to live there? And uh, it seems like they feel like they've, they've been pushed out uh, from, from Israel. But Israel is the size of New Jersey. How big is that? So, uh, I mean, how can there be a solution to this problem when they won't even allow, you know, for the idea of the existence of Israel? And uh, they, they won't coexist with them. So how well, can there be a two-state solution? How can this be resolved? Well, you know, when you start talking about it, you know, that, and you hear the left talk about the rights of Palestinians, yet uh, the Palestinians, and we know the Palestinian Authority, I mean, they also believe in the extermination of Jews because everything is really controlled by Hamas. You yeah, know, right. I'm sure there are individual Palestinians out there that may, just like in, in Nazi Germany, that didn't agree with what was going on, mm-hmm. but they, right, remained, exactly. they, they remained quiet because they were in an extremely oppressive society but the governments themselves everything as brett stevens said from the new york times israel is a modern democratic republic yeah you know that's what they are they are a modern democratic society hamas is a terrorist organization that in their charter talks about the elimination of israel there is really no starting point thanks mark there is no starting point and this two-state solution isn't going to happen. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And, you know, the, the pretending that Israel does not have the right, in, in fact, insisting Israel does not have the right to defend themselves, is beyond ludicrous. And the discussion has been going on for ages. But after the attack, the recent attack by Hamas, there can be no question. This is Red Eye Radio.
on Westwood. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Reading here over the weekend, uh, this would have been Saturday National Review. House Republicans need to end the chaos. The core of competency of House Republicans caucus has become, uh, has, uh, has, the core competency of the House Republican caucus has become preventing anyone from getting elected Speaker of the House after three ballots of the House floor where he lost a slightly larger number of defectors each try, the GOP conference voted to dump Jim Jordan as its speaker. Uh, as its speaker, It hurt Jordan that as a founder, now this is an important part that we're bringing up. It's no longer about issues. No, no. It hurt Jordan that as a founder of the House Freedom Caucus, he so often rejected pragmatic arguments and half-a-loaf deals and then once he wanted to be speaker, argued that everyone needed to compromise and come together around his bid. And we talked about how he offered uh, blue state Republicans a, you know, that he would put forth legislation doubling the SALT deductions. Yeah. Which it's like, what? And remember, Gates, Matt Gates has said, do you believe that Jim Jordan would go in there and shut down the government in three weeks? Anybody anybody believe that that, that was going to happen? No. Well, it played out exactly the way it's always going to play out. If Matt Gates were running for speaker or became speaker, guess what? Some deals are going to have to be made. Some compromises. I don't like the whole compromise thing, but between now and January of 2025, at least your focus has to be on November of 24. But it hurt Jordan that as a founder of the House Freedom Caucus, he so often rejected pragmatic arguments and half a loaf deals. And then once he wanted to be speaker, argued that everyone needed to compromise and come together around his bid. And then we talked about the offers that he was throwing out mm-hmm. and even went back to Matt Gates right. a week and a half ago stating well, you know, uh, he was talking about a continuing resolution that would uh, cut a little bit to, you know, to uh, I'm not for that, but uh, I'm willing to listen to it. What? And we called him out on that one. Uh, National Review writes, we were critical of Gates's initial move against McCarthy and the ensuing two weeks have only confirmed the stupidity of the Florida congressman's alliance with House Democrats to blow up what turned out to be a crucial but fragile consensus in the caucus behind McCarthy. Remember the impeachment inquiry? Neither does anybody else. Have you seen a resolution on the House floor supporting Israel and condemning Hamas, uh, which would command broad majority support but isolate and pressure the squad? No, of course not. The Republican Party instead has spent its time advertising its own dysfunction. 
The answer remains uh, to elect a speaker, which will require nearly all Republicans resolving to support whoever has the majority support of the conference. The dynamic so far is that the various factions aren't willing to do that if other factions won't as well. Perhaps the next round of candidates, there will be someone who has so few natural enemies and is so removed from ill feelings among the supporters of the three previous candidates that he can get around this prisoner's dilemma. If that proves impossible, by the way, that's what we're talking, what you were saying. This is no longer about issues anymore. No. It's all, all personality. It's, it's all a personality right. conflict issue and has been and was with Matt Gates <clears throat> from the beginning. And by beginning, I mean January, you know, where this all began with, with McCarthy. And, and you just continued it. And now this disruption means, well, I don't know. You tell me. Where does it go? Where does this end? Who was going to be the candidate that doesn't have the baggage here, that doesn't have the enemies? Well, hold on a second. What about the job? What about the issues? What about your what you're supposed to be doing right now, which is promoting what you want to do if your party is to gain power with the election in 24? which would start if you win in January of 25. How do you not get these thoughts across? Well, I'll tell you how you don't when you're focused on you. If that proves impossible, and that's getting a new speaker, uh, Republicans may have to govern with Patrick McHenry, McHenry, excuse me, remaining a speaker pro temp. There is a plausible argument that under the law, which McCarthy designated McHenry gives him wider latitude to run the House than he's currently exercising. Regardless, the House makes its own rules, and a majority can probably consider and pass legislation if it has the will to do so. That the party could get to this place is a damning indictment, a tale of a lack of cohesiveness and misplaced priorities. The famous story is that Benjamin Franklin, when asked after he exited the Constitutional Convention which what form of government was decided on, He replied, a republic if you can keep it. The voters gave Republicans a House majority, and so far, they aren't demonstrating much interest in keeping it. National Review editorial, by the way. The editors from Saturday. No, they're absolutely well, right. and 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 again, I I also believe a lot of it's for show for fifteen minutes of well, fame. It is. I you mean, know, you, I'm, you, I'm you, more outraged than you are. Which, by the way, right. was the entire thing. You and I talked about it during the primary of 2020. What was it going to be? It was going to be the outrage on the for the Democrats in 2020. It was going to be who's more outraged that you know Trump is the president. Who is more angry at Trump? Who hates Trump more? Well, now, for the right, it's become, I'm angrier than that person. Well, well you're not angry enough to be speaker. Well, the stink- you're too angry the, the- to be speaker. I don't know. The, 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 the stinking showboating of Representative Mace. Yeah. Wearing the scarlet letter, I'm a woman. Yeah. And I'm not being received. Shut up. You're a child. You're a child. That way to make it about you. Yeah. And that was a week and a half ago. That was before yep. we went on vacation. Yep. And we were going after her. Yeah. Shut up and do your job. Stop playing the Democrat type of victim mentality. 
I'm wearing a scarlet letter. Shut up. And then I'm going on liberal media to promote uh, my dissatisfaction with the Republicans. Shut up. While wearing a scarlet letter. Yeah, while wearing a scarlet letter. What a child. You're a child. South Carolina, you, in that district, you elected a child. That kind of behavior is ridiculous. Make it all about you. It's amazing. And and that's what it's become. You know, you started seeing it. And it was inevitable that it was going to, because once the attention happens, it's like, oh, I can work with this for 15. I'm getting my 15. It's never been well, about look, you. I'm, I'm not surprised that there isn't, because you and I talked about this. We had talked about it when that when we had, when uh, this was after the election in 2016, hmm. where we talked about roughly the eight, I'll have to go back and find it, I've got it somewhere, the eight demographics that we had figured supported Trump. Mm-hmm. And one of those was a smaller demographic, but it existed and it was loud. Those that just wanted to blow things up, they didn't care whether the Republican mm-hmm. Party mm-hmm. succeeded or not. They wanted what they want now, and if they mm-hmm. didn't get it, blow it all to hell. Mm-hmm. And that they said that to us on the air. Yeah, we're not making yeah. this up. Right? They called it. I believe that exists today. I want to. Oh, I, I think I, it, I, I wanna, it may exist more today I, than I it want, did then. I want to get attention to myself. Oh yeah. I yeah. don't care. The system is wrong. It works too slow. Mm-hmm. We want what we want now. Or we shut it down. We don't care if we win or lose in 2024. Yep. We want a virtue signal that we're we're more moral than you are. We care more about than you do. We are more outraged about you. So blow the whole thing up and let Democrats win. Yeah. Follow me. Where are we yeah. going? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. I'm angry. I'm angry, too. Throw them all out. Yeah. Well, aren't you one of them? I mean, it's just become ridiculous to the point of I, I have zero confidence. Well, now it's not, in twenty four. Well, now it's like well, everybody's trying to make deals. So the original House Freedom Caucus deal seems that McCarthy was behind seemed a heck of a lot better yeah. in what anybody who's running is attempting to offer in order to compromise and get elected speaker, right. as we originally said was going to happen. Right. Everybody's going to have to compromise in order to win this thing. Exactly what McCarthy was doing. Exactly what you were against. Right. Jim Jordan offering things that he would have never offered unless he was running for speaker to satisfy you know, uh, Republicans in in blue in uh, blue states, and to and to fill out that equation. By the way, if he was, was to double the salt deduction cap of ten percent up to twenty, if that's accurate and true, what would it require? A lot of Democrats to vote along with him. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you think they're not right. going to? Of course they would. Right. What does that tell you about what he was promising? He was promising something that he could only get by introducing a bill that would get blue uh, uh, blue state Republicans yep. and all Democrats to support. Yeah. So Jim Jordan was offering something in order to become speaker. I will put in legislation that will get full Democrats support. Mm-hmm. 
So where's where's the purity now? Where's the Gates, whatever it was, the Gates so-called, quote, purity that we were searching for? Said it that then. we must have. I said it then. You and I have said it for years. That unicorn does not exist. No. It just doesn't. And if you don't like that and you're in the game and you're in the halls on Capitol Hill and you're a member of the House and you don't like that and you want it to be about you, get out. And remember, quit, go home. Remember, Matt Gates knowing that Jim Jordan offered the blue state uh, Republicans a a you know uh, a carrot that mm-hmm. could only happen if he introduced that legislation with full support of Democrats. Yep, Matt Gates was saying. Well, well, you can even censure us. You can do whatever. You can kick us out. You can do whatever as long as you vote for Jordan. That I'm willing to sacrifice my career mm-hmm. to get what? Now, he wasn't mm-hmm. because it wasn't going to happen. Right. But it's all showboating. Right now, it's all showboating. From it doesn't, Gates, and it doesn't matter and, and who it, that and candidate it, it, is. It gets you nowhere. If it, you know, whoever they're going to be and however they're going to campaign in the halls and on the phones and behind closed doors and everything else is going to be the exact same. Nothing is going to change. We set it from minute one from where this all started. This does not change the makeup in the House. It doesn't change the makeup of the GOP. And, and pretending that you can ch- that you can change what can't be changed which is the makeup yeah. and the slim lead you have in the house right, right. and and that you can have more clout if you're just angrier mm-hmm. what are you talking about not compromising with the democrats you're you're compromising with republicans to pass a bill that could only be passed because all democrats would vote for that's it that's right and you're complaining that McCarthy wasn't tough enough? Right. With Democrats? And then Jordan comes out with a to appease blue state Republicans on a bill that can only be passed with full support? Because you're not going to get Republicans voting for it. Nope. You would need full support of the, of Democrats. Dem- the Democrats to get there? Yep. And that's somehow more conservative purity? Have we all gone back? Bat soup crazy? crazy? Yes. By the way, I had some bat soup a couple of weeks ago. It was really good. <laughs> Very tasty. I just shaking my head. Shaking my head. What's the fight about now? I, where Where is it going? Yeah. What is the end result? I don't have a problem with any member of the House or member of the party having a problem with another member of the House or member of the party. That's not the, the issue. But this was your remedy, which was going nowhere from day one, and anybody who was an adult about it could see it. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers,
based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I thought it was worth uh, reading it. But you know, what are you what are you fighting for now? What are the Republicans fighting for? Everybody has been willing to compromise. From what I can see, everyone, including Jim Jordan, was willing to compromise way more than the House Freedom Caucus plan that was that McCarthy approved right which was that, that which was, was that, bound that, to happen that actually that actually cut right and I and, mean you're wheeling right. and dealing trying to get votes that's what you're doing but in doing that you're offering something that can only happen with the Democrats being on board right full and and completely and and there's no way around that Tell me how that's a conservative move. And, and so now it's down to, well, you've been <clears throat> you've been so mean and this has happened and the intimidation. Now it's down to I don't like you. I don't like you. Yeah, exactly. That's what it seems to be. Done. Right. We're not talking issues anymore. No, nobody's talking issues. Right. You know, you, you've got, you know, Gates out there trying to and and a few others, a few of the other eight trying now to virtue signal. We're willing to give up our careers to vote for Jordan. Well, what did Jordan offer in order to get people's vote? Yeah, right. Something what, what is, something that McCarthy would have never offered. Right. And it's like it's, it gets down to the when we got the, – it was the first caller that we got on this about two weeks ago on it. Mm-hmm. said, you know, you guys don't understand what the fight's about. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you can educate us. Well, we need somebody as strong as Speaker of the House as Trump was on and believe what Trump believes. Well, wait a minute. Gates is wanting McCarthy to shut down the government. Yeah. On the budget. Trump right. never shut down the government. Right. On a budget ever. He knew politically he, he, what it would be. Right. He never vetoed it. Yep. Never vetoed a budget, even right. when he was accused of spending too much. Right. So, I mean, I don't think Republicans even know what the hell they want. No, I mean, the rank point. and file. No, I, I, I think that's a great point.
giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you wish if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. All right. So I found it. It was an article he wrote last uh, uh, last Monday, mm-hmm. uh, the first day that we were out on vacation. And uh, this is Andrew McCarthy, who's Fox News contributor, uh, New York Post, National Review, wrote this in National Review. Mm. Despite the word salads from Secretary Blinken, because he's the first one that covered it, he's the only one that really has said, you know, questioned whether – that $6 billion, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, for the release of the hostages was refrozen. Right. And he was the one who said, I don't think it was in the last article that we read. Right. Now he said, it's not true. Despite the word salads from Secretary Blinken and the media, the status quo has not changed. Contrary to the Biden administration spin, we will say Biden administration disinformation and media repetition of the same, and thus to popular belief, the $6 billion as to which President Biden waived sanctions on September 11th of all days so it could be transferred to Qatar for Iran's benefit has not been refrozen. Commentators should stop saying that the Biden administration, under pressure from Republicans and other critics, got Cutter the uh, country to accept a recession of the waiver and deny Iran access to the funds. It is not true. Then he recaps everything, you know, that the $6 billion was generated by Iranian oil sales to South Korea. Biden's ability to freeze the money so it would be inaccessible to Iran ended when he formally waived the sanctions. At that point, the $6 billion was transferred from South Korea which had been honoring the sanctions to Iran's close ally, Qatar, with the uh, explicit understanding that the sanctions were no longer applicable. The new arrangement was that Qatar, Qatar, excuse me, would possess the funds and manage their, uh, you know, uh, disbursement. Iran would not have access to the money in the sense of possessing it. Instead, uh, Tehran would ask Qatar to draw on the funds to make direct payments to third-party suppliers of humanitarian goods and services. The United States would monitor those transactions to satisfy itself that they were for legitimate humanitarian purposes and that Iran was not redirecting the funds for, to unapproved or nefarious purposes. But this was a political arrangement. The Biden administration could protest if it disapproved of a disbursement, but at no indication, there is no indication that the U.S., had the authority to halt any movement of the money that Qatar decided to make on Iran's behalf. To summarize, Biden had the authority to halt disbursements by keeping the $6 billion frozen in South Korea. He forfeited that authority when he ceded, ceded control to Qatar. Last week, Biden uh, Treasury Secretary uh, Trump uh, said that what he portrayed as a revised understanding between the United States and Qatar that would stop Iran from benefiting from Biden's transfer of funds. As I observed at the time, however, this announcement, when actually analyzed, marked no change in the status quo. 
What he said uh, in the Post words was that U.S. and Qatar had agreed to stop Iran from accessing the $6 billion, but as recounted above, it had always been agreed that Iran would not have access to the funds in the sense of possessing them. The question was whether Qatar would still be able to spend the funds for Iran's benefits. Since money is fungible, if Iran could still get Qatar to draw on the $6 billion from Biden to pay for humanitarian goods and services that Iran otherwise would have to buy with funds it controls, then Iran could repurpose those otherwise allocated funds to terrorism, mm-hmm. as we know. Telling you the initial coverage in the Post and later reporting in the New York Times repeated the Biden administration's storyline that Qatar was joining the U.S. to deny Iran access to $6 billion from prisoner deal. To quote the Times headline, there was no quoted statement from any Qatari official asserting that Qatar had agreed to change the original arrangement. Well, and from that point on, there has not really been any more on that part of the story. Nope. Because that's what you would, that's, think about this. That move would tell the world, hey, we want to help put an end to this. And likely then would spur the interest of enforcing the oil embargo on Iran. So from there, if you've got Qatar and the U.S. both agreeing to claw back those funds, then likely you would have officials in both from both the U.S. and Qatar proudly promoting that and also likely talking about further sanctions against Iran. You didn't see that at all. According to the Times, at a meeting with House Democrats, the Assistant uh, Treasury Secretary said that Iran would no longer have access to the funds. That's a red herring. To repeat, Iran was not supposed to have access in the first place. Right. The Biden official also told Democrats that the money was supposedly under close supervision and strict conditions that it only be used for humanitarian purposes. Again, that's just a regurgitation of the original deal. It does not deny that Qatar has control of the funds and can disperse them at Iran's direction. Obviously, realizing this, the Times buries this paragraph in its story. Mm. The Treasury Department, which oversees the funds, is not employing sanctions power to formally freeze the money, but uh, has what was described as a quiet understanding with Qatar that Iran would be unable to retrieve it. Quiet understanding. Right. Biden is not employing sanctions power to formally freeze the money. Because it has no such powers over the money. Exactly. It has already surrendered to Qatar. Exactly. All Biden has is a non-enforceable understanding with Iran's close ally, Qatar. And there was no new understanding right. that ever happened. Right. That was a lie. It's like they floated something that they wanted. They, they know some people that a lot of people wanted to hear. Knowing it's a full lie, they just floated this, and then there's no follow-up on it. None. And you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. If they haven't done anything by now, then why do it now? What's going to motivate them to do it now? Nothing. 
Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Biden made his showing in all of this, and it's over. And when the Qatari official was there uh, with Biden, he said, and this was from the translation, they Mm. said, uh, you know, there may be some incoherence on the translation, Mm. but it said, regarding the quote, regarding the media reports about freezing Iranian funds in Qatar, the state of Qatar is always committed to any agreement and every step must be done through consultations with other partners that fund the money here in Qatar and uh, is there and Qatar will focus at the priorities of need not do anything that will escalate the situation in the region. End of quote said, well, in that word salad, <laughs> hmm. nowhere did he say the money would stay frozen or that any Iranian request for its disbursement would be denied. He certainly did not say that Qatar had ceded authority over the money to the United States. Biden was standing right there when Sheikh Mohammed, Mohammed spoke. He could have easily clarified if it were true that the $6 billion was frozen and that the United States had control of it. Mm. Not surprisingly, though, uh, <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. The money is not frozen, and the U.S. does not have control over it. Oh, excuse me. Blinken was standing right there, not Biden. Mm. Blinken was standing mm. there, not The money is not frozen. The U.S. does not control it. It's the exact same deal that was done on September 11th. There was never a new deal. There was never a new understanding. The Biden administration, again, the Biden administration, that is his sole purpose is to stop disinformation, again, peddled disinformation to the American public. Right. They're proudly lying about it. Insanity. If the horrific attack on Israel by Hamas was not enough to motivate them, I don't know what is. And in a stroke of luck for the Biden administration, the clown show that is a House Republican conference has left our country without a functioning Congress while the world is exploding. As a result, legislation to refreeze the $6 billion proposed by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senator Tom Cotton cannot move. That was useless anyway, yeah. as we said, yeah, really? because yeah. you, the, we don't have legislation over the money anymore. Cutter right. has it. Right. So that was initially. There is as, no clawback mechanism right. here. As, as we have said, initially, that was a way by promoting that bill. And if you could get that passed. Right. To have the president veto that bill. Right. right. You're trying to get him to, right. on right. record as to what this thing is. If we had a functioning Congress, the six billion would not be the only aspect of Biden's deal with the Hamas, uh, a patron Iran that was worth scrutinizing. As I detailed over the weekend, there was also the prisoner swap in which Biden actually yeah. pardoned three men accused by the Justice Department of clandestine activities on behalf of Iran. Mm. They have been released in the United States, not sent back to Iran. Unbelievable. Well, if the border's open, why not, right? The border's open anyway. And he, and he writes it here. If McConnell-Cotton legislation could be moved through Congress, it would be a source of embarrassment for President Biden, but it would not actually deny funds to Iran, as we've stated. Mm-hmm. Because they can't. It's not. Right. You don't have the United power to States. Do. You can't freeze what you don't have. Yep. And so Iran is every day, by the way, 
still selling oil on the global marketplace. They have access to that money. There is no, there, there's nothing that's going to change it. And they'll fund Hamas, they'll fund ISIS, they'll fund Al-Qaeda, they'll fund every terrorist organization out there to the tune of billions and billions and tens of billions of dollars and continue to do so as long as Joe Biden is president. And then Biden will plead with the American public to fund Israel. Yeah. In their fight, by the way, which I'm not against. Right. But it's it's insane if you don't first stop the money flowing to Iran. Right. Right. Stop the money flowing. How was that not? I don't know. The go-to. Because Biden, by his actions, wishes to fund both sides in a war. It's unreal. Where one side are just brutal terrorists. Yeah. Is what they are. Right. As I said earlier, tell me where I'm wrong. No, that's that's the scenario. Please tell me where I'm wrong on that. Biden has the power to cut Iran off. And won't do it. He won't do it. 86690-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thanks so much for being here. Wow. Mm. You know, I was talking about uh, Andrew, uh, when I mentioned Andrew McCarthy, he also wrote a column on Sidney Powell's guilty plea. Points to a faltering case in Atlanta. Really interesting points saying, you know, the whole thing of the RICO Act. Yeah, right. You know, because the, the, the fact that they, and, and he's talking about the weakness of the case against, against Trump right, and the... Right. The, you know, using the whole RICO Act, which shows that, you know, she agreed, uh, you know, uh, like Powell uh, and also talks about the the bails, the the bonds bailman, Scott Hall, was hit with big RICO conspiracy charge as well as several felony charges like Powell. His plea to minor charges will assure him of a non-prison sentence. Powell likewise pleaded guilty to intentional interference with the performance of election duties as well as five other misdemeanors without being required to plead guilty to the RICO charge or even admit that she was guilty at all. Powell's been given a sentence of six years probation and a fine of $6,000 with an additional 2700 uh, restitution assessment. Like Hall's sentence, Powell's includes an agreement to write a letter of apology to the people of Georgia. <laughs> Says, and he writes, hey, Fanny to Fanny Willis, Good luck ever getting Trump to agree to that one. Mm. Like Hall, Paul is cooperating with prosecutors on that score as part of her plea bargain. She gave a statement to the state. It is under seal. So we do have some intrigue. Obviously, Paul's cooperation is potentially more consequential for Trump than Hall's. The lengthy indictment does not suggest that Trump is directly implicated in the scheme to get election data from Coffee County. Mm. So, yeah, interesting.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.